Today's guest Stephen Halls has spent his career building towards a single dream of opening his own gym, which he achieved when he launched My Gym in Hazel Grove in the summer of 2020 with his business partner David Sullivan. But as we all know, through that summer of 2020 and the autumn and winter that followed, gym attendance became an incredibly controversial topic. We were juggling the need to self-isolate for the greater good, with the very real and negative impact that comes on a personal level for people not being able to attend the gym, keep active, things that are such vital parts of so many people's routines. What I loved about today's conversation was learning that it's a commitment that Stephen and David took towards building a genuine sense of community at my gym that carried them through that first eventful year of trading, but has also become a core part for their plans for the future of my gym. Hi, and welcome to this week's Greater Manchester Business Stories, where we're joined by Steve Hoyles, who runs the disruptive My Gym, which launched in 2020 in Hazel Grove in South Manchester. Steve runs the business with his business partner, David Sullivan. Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. Not a problem, Joe. Thanks for having me. Wicked. Well, look, um, we'll, we'll talk all, all about My Gym and, and what you guys do there and the services you offer and how it came about. But can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey to kind of end up in Greater Manchester eventually and along, along the along the journey in between? Yeah, sure. Oh, I've been in, Man- uh, in Greater Manchester since 2008, actually. I uh, left a job in Cornwall. So I was born in Liverpool, grew up in Cornwall, with a small haze is when I went to university in Swansea. Um, and having moved back to Cornwall, I'd uh, at the time that the, the Cornish fitness industry was very small and then the credit crunch happened, et cetera. And I'd heard about this this company in, in the industry press, the Port Sports Trust. So when things in Cornwall, but when I realised I there was not much more for me to do there, um, I thought, no, I, I'll take the chance. I was young, no children, single. It was a bit of a nothing venture, nothing gained. And, and so I applied for a job working in Stockport, which I got. Uh, and I moved up and I didn't know a single person in Stockport. I'd never even been to Stockport. I up sticks, moved up, and it's been my home ever since. Cool. Okay. And um, just stepping back then slightly, tell us a little bit about your your journey within fitness. So when you went off to Swansea, was that to was that to study kind of fitness and personal training, or, or was that something that kind of came a little bit later to you? Yeah, I, I studied sports science. My degree was sports science. And I always knew I wanted to be in the fitness industry once it was pretty apparent I wasn't going to get a first team spot at Liverpool uh, I had to give up although saying that I am still available in case Jürgen Klopp ever needs anyone yeah. um <laughs> I <laughs> yeah uh, I always knew I was going to work in fitness and, and actually I, I've never worked outside of the fitness industry so once I once I graduated from university my first job was you know on the gym floor bottom rung of the ladder kind of thing um and then I quickly moved up to to a managerial position in that company and as I said the the credit crunch happened um the business was okay it was fine but I was well aware of the fact that if I wanted to make the next step professionally I had to leave Cornwall um so I did that and um yeah I, I've stayed in fitness in, in various roles I always kind of saw each job I had it was almost like um the next progression and then through various managerial positions I went self-employed in 2000 and 11 actually generated first 2011 and i've been self-employed ever since fitness is, is i guess it's one of those areas you you say that you always knew you were going to work in fitness but that that can mean lots of things that can mean 
what you do today running a gym it can mean personal training and specializing can mean sports team and events and travel etc so did you have a kind of like the the career path that you've had over the last 15 20 years since finishing university is it is it the path you expected is it taking you in a different direction than you expected it to oh it's it's gone in all kinds of different directions to be honest with you joe i think when i was younger i just assumed you'd move further up the managerial ladder and then i realized fairly quickly that wasn't for me i didn't get into fitness to you know stare at spreadsheets or i don't know manage by email that, that wasn't really for me um so i made the decision to go self-employed in 2011 and and i did that i went into personal training then so i almost like took a a different direction and i went into um just delivering one-to-one sessions and that was it was a move i should have made a long time before to be honest with you but you know circumstances were different so i did that and ever since then i i realized being self-employed was a it was a big deal for me because I was in charge of my own sort of destiny. I could go on, you know, I've had, I've run fitness retreats. I now, I, I write, I write for fitness magazines. I obviously in the gym. Um, yeah. So it's taken me in all kinds of different directions. It's been, it's been quite a journey. And to be honest with you, I don't think I'm great with a career path. I, I don't, is it called shiny object syndrome where you think, Oh, that, that sounds interesting. I'm, being self-employed, you are in charge of your own destiny, so you can go off and do your own thing. And that suits me, and it suits my personality. I think it suits what I'm good at. And so far, touched wood, my mix of, I don't know, play it safe and risk-taking has, has found a nice balance. Brilliant. And I guess another interesting aspect of the fitness industry, when, when I look at it, because I'm, I'm not an expert at all, is for, for Joe Public when it gets into the world of fitness and what's good for you and what's right and what's the right way to approach training and regimes, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of kind of information out there and a lot of the time kind of contradictory opinions. So when you look at, when you look at fitness and the training that you've done, particularly the, your one-to-one work, have you got a, a philosophy on how people look after themselves that you, you kind of hang your hat on? That's kind of the, the Steve Hall's approach to health and well-being that you share with your clients. Yeah, I, I suppose I, approach fitness from a, a standpoint of, of what's known in the industry gpp which is general physical preparedness so to those who've never heard of this that's a this idea that we should be generally fit so you should be say you know you don't need to have elite level strength or elite level cardiovascular fitness but being capable of, of turning your hands to each one of those so it's kind of a hybrid that i've picked up over the years my my philosophy of fitness isn't saying to be as big and strong as possible but then have almost no cardiovascular capability there's almost yeah, there's no point in being incredibly strong if walking upstairs puts you on the verge of a heart attack yeah likewise being able to run a marathon is great but if you if you can barely pick up your own body weight then then you're lacking areas of your fitness so if me gpp is the the version of fitness i believe 99 percent of the population should should be a part of you know we should we all have not a duty as such, but we all would benefit from being stronger, more flexible, have better cardio. And, and I think that that approach then allows people to, to get the best out of themselves and live a pretty happy, pretty healthy, easy existence in the sense that it doesn't take specialist programming. Yeah, You can head into the gym, you can be in and out in half an hour. You can sum it up, pick up heavy stuff occasionally, run occasionally, swim occasionally, eat pretty well, stretch. We can all overcomplicate these things, but the reality is, it largely boils down to that. No, no, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like that philosophy because I think 
like I say, people are bombarded with information. One of the things that's off-putting is probably, particularly through social media, you're kind of exposed to the extremes of what you can achieve physically in all these kind of, you know, from size to cardio to, you know, physique and um, making it a bit more accessible and a bit more balanced and rounded and kind of sensible is probably a, a lot more kind of comfortable and engaging for someone who's Who's, who's been stuck at a desk job maybe for five ten years and suddenly realizes, hey, I need to I need to start looking after myself a little bit more. So it's a it's an easier way to kind of ease yourself into that world. Absolutely. It's um you know I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, when it comes to things like um, physical fitness, it, it's such an easy thing to manipulate online. You can you can edit photographs, you can take photographs of yourselves in certain angles, like, and it's all it's all well and good me saying don't believe most of what you see online. But um, people do, unfortunately. And, and yeah, even if these guys, even if, and, and women, some of them are in incredible shape, these fitness models, but they're actually only in that shape for a short period of time each year. There's a, one or two of the people I know, our gym's been used uh, a few times as a photo shoot venue. And they'll say they probably spend three or four months of the year in photo shoot shape. And the rest of the time, they kind of walk around much more like the rest of us, you know, generally in slightly better shape. But but they certainly don't walk around in single digit or low single digit body fat. You look at bodybuilders on stage, et cetera. That's for a very short window of time. Yeah. The rest yeah. of the time, it, they're much more relaxed. But of course, people don't see that. They don't they don't see that, that these people live a relatively normal life. Of course, there's sacrifices they make that other people don't. But yeah, you know. Yeah everyone's heard it all before but don't believe what you see online love it well look um i guess stepping onto that because i'm really keen to talk about my gym and and, and how that came about so uh it sounds like you you've obviously built a, a, a real bank of experience working within businesses and working as a one-to-one personal trainer how did that start to roll into that? i mean particularly the role that your business partner david plays within the, in within my gym as well and how it came about how did what are the what's the kind of origin story of setting out and launching your own gym was that was that always the end goal or is that something that just has naturally come about in the last few years for you uh, it was always the end goal um and i actually wrote the business plan for the gym in 2011 for various reasons you know it, it a gym the size of my gym it's it's a two-man job it's not the kind of thing you can do on your own um so we i needed i needed the right partner um, and i tend not to make fast decisions I let things stew and I'll, so I, I revisited the business plan a handful of times just that, you know, has what I believe about the industry changed. I, I suppose I saw the late nineties onwards, fitness began to change. So gyms almost echoed supermarkets in the sense they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I don't know when this happened exactly, but there was a change and they started to become smaller and smaller and more community focused. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with something called CrossFit, but CrossFit in the late noughties was beginning to make the waves in this country. And I like the philosophy of a smaller community-based gym. I like the mix of training. Now, I don't, I don't credit CrossFit with inventing anything. They just gave it a name. But what they did do is their ethos and their community was a big part. And I thought that's exactly the kind of gym I'd like to run. Um, and one day when the opportunity came, I, I knew that would be the case. So David was a friend of mine. We met not long after my eldest son was born, actually. So around about 2011. And we'd spoken about working together at some point. David worked in football at the time. So it wasn't an immediate thing. And then as we got to know each other more, um, David's career in football came to an end. And then the timing was right. And, and we 
we'd embarked upon this on this journey. We'd looked at all kinds of different locations, but it was something very particular we were after in terms of the square footage, in terms of location, etc. And then eventually we found the building where my gym is, and that's when things really ramped up. So that process started around the back end of 2018, early 2019. That's when when the plans accelerated. And, you know, fast forward, and that's where we are today. How do you build a gym then? So to, to, to talk me through that <laughs> okay. part of the process. The, the first part of the process, you need a location and you need an idea. You need a philosophy. Um, and ours was very simple. It was, it was to build a strength and conditioning facility. And for that, you need a bit of an open plan, an open room. So we, we found a warehouse that used to be clothing manufacturing place. It was full of sewing machines the first time we went in there. And you go about building a gym by once you've decided the kind of gym you want to run and you've found a location, then it's a lot of hard work. So we spent oh, 12 weeks. We had to rip everything out of the building. So we started off with a blank slate. And Dave and I joke, one day, if we make millions and millions of pounds, we will be able to look back and say, we did the hard work. We did. We, we spent 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. knocking down walls, um, you know, covered in dust, putting insulation up, that kind of thing. So we, yeah, we helped build that thing by hand. Um, And then once you've, um, once you've built the gym, um, you've then got to fill it. You've got to fill it with people. And that's when the fun starts. So that's where your, you know, marketing campaigns kick in. All of the, all the beliefs that you've held, you get to put to the test. Um, And then you've just got to show up every day. I, I wish I could say, Oh, it's easy. All you do is you fill a room with equipment and open the doors, and then all of a sudden you've got you've got a thousand members, and you're making plenty of money. But it's really not like that. It's a lot of it's a lot of graft, but you know that's not a bad thing. Not when you love it. No, no, no. And and, and so the philosophy to my gym, and I guess it's it's illustrated in the space itself, is that focus on strength and conditioning. I think one of the things I've noticed following the the my gym journey since since you started going public was it. I guess the name itself kind of hints at community and that that's what I get from my gym and it, and it sounds like you're starting to build it already in the first kind of couple of years of trading is that that community side and people kind of bouncing off one another and and you guys I think you publish a kind of you call it the daily dose like a kind of daily exercise routine for for members to to take on as a bit of a challenge as well so is that is that true is that kind of that's intentional I guess that kind of community approach to the way the gym is operated Absolutely. We can't have the fight with, say, for example, the your pure gyms of this world. They're, they're much bigger than us. And um, so one thing we can do is we can have this personal approach where we get to know members. We know their names. We know their family. We know their goals. And I think that's really important because the gym I used to manage down in Cornwall was a really similar place. It was much smaller, but we knew all of our members. And if you marry up that with with my I don't know, my admiration of what CrossFit were doing, it made a lot of sense to to make that a big part of our of our company. And we go, we're at pains to make sure that that happens. You know, we we really make an effort with our members. We've run free barbecues, um, various prize giveaways, that kind of thing. And it, it's so important to us because as well, if members, speaking from a business point of view, if people feel like they're part of something, they're slightly less likely to leave, you know, it, when they go to rival gyms, they they barely see a member of staff. They don't know the people who own it. And that paid us back. You know, we opened in August 2020, and then we had lockdown two and lockdown three to contend with. Now, at the time of lockdown two, we, we had 150 members. 
And immediately we sent out an email that said, we'll freeze everyone's payments. Out of the 150 members at the time, I had 110 emails come back and say, don't freeze my payment. You know, they wanted to support us. And of course, uh, you know, having had 110 emails back, then we went straight back out and said, okay, we've had 110 people say they don't want us to freeze. This puts in a tricky position. So if you'd like to freeze, you know, everyone's personal circumstances are different. Some people, that monthly membership could have, you know, could have been the last money they had. Um, We'll happily let you do it. And, uh, you know, certainly no need to feel bad about it. And the same thing happened again the third time. People just supported us and stayed with us, and it helped us massively. But I, I credit that 100% to us building a community, not just we, – we have a bit of a saying, like, they're members, not numbers. We don't manage by spreadsheet. We don't just consider the people, oh, you know, we have this many people now. It's no, We have this many members, and they're part of something. That, that's really important to us. That kind of response and loyalty from your membership is incredible testament to what you guys – were were starting to create even in a, a few months into the business basically um that that people already felt that kind of allegiance to my gym and what you guys are trying to do there so that's um wow that's kind of powerful stuff isn't it yeah I, I, sorry just on that while, while i say it, i've also noticed and i don't i can't speak for other industries but certainly within the fitness industry there's been a real shift and i think it's probably post-pandemic where people support independence they they support the small independence in ways that perhaps they didn't before um yeah. and then also from the user experience point of view they they feel like they've got a relationship with the owners of the business and so if, if some of our rivals if, if you ask them for your equipment or made a suggestion or whatever that would just be sent to an email address that's never never checked whereas yeah, our members can speak to us and we've had some good ideas from them um and we've made a few changes to the business on the back of that. And I think that you feedback's valuable. You you get it in a way that you wouldn't from others. Um, you know, if you're much, much bigger. So I think it's really worked for us. Yeah, it's cool. And gyms and, and access to gyms did become quite a topic of debate over the past 12 months with lockdowns, et cetera, which felt like at times it kind of showed the importance of of gyms that kind of community side to it that kind of routine within people's everyday what what was your because there were some gym owners that that were relatively i guess extreme if that's the right word in their kind of reaction to what the government were doing around those lockdowns what was what was your opinion having you you know you're in the early stages of launching a business for the first time which is kind of reliant on being a open and operating so how how did you and david kind of react to that as, as it was happening you know what i feel like i've got a foot in both camps here because on one hand i have a fundamental belief that exercise is incredibly important for people's health of course i have uh, and i'm also a gym owner therefore i would like to, to have stayed open because you know you've got worries you've got all kinds of things to cope with when you're a business owner in the middle of a pandemic um however i also agree with we don't know also we certainly didn't know that much about this disease at the time and it's really easy to sit and pontificate without an expert opinion so i kind of i suppose i did all we could do which is put trust in people who are paid to look after these things i i wouldn't i am i'm not qualified to criticize medical advice or scientific advice given by scientists and medics so I, of course, I was disappointed and it's really hard because you've got so many worries, haven't you? We were a brand new business. We opened in the middle of a pandemic. 
But, I, I, and of course, you, when it comes to, it's not just as simple as you close down a business. You've then got other concerns. You have to like negotiate your leases. You've got, you know, all the financial obligations you've got. And you've got to look at how you can manage those. So it's not as simple, oh, just close the doors. That's fine. And also because of the age of the business, there's a lot of a lot of help we didn't qualify for because we weren't we weren't trading for that long. So I I wholeheartedly agree with with the importance of exercise. I just I don't know where I stand on the access to the gyms argument because we didn't know. Nobody knows. And it's really easy to sit. You know, hindsight has 2020 vision and we can look back and say we should have let gyms stay open. It would have been far better for people. The only thing I will say that I have you know, first, well, not first time, but personal experience from, from members that it was really important to them because the gym was so much more when people working from home, if, for example, you're single, you don't have children and all the shops are shut, the only human interaction some people had was the gym. And also the, the mental health aspect, um, it it was a huge huge help for certain people when when, when people emailed us said you don't realize this is so much more than the gym to me this, this is it's a lifeline it's to the outside world and i hadn't quite appreciated that because touch wood i've never struggled with my mental health and you know i i have rachel and the kids at home so i hadn't ever really appreciated how lonely it is for some people but the amount of people i was really surprised at um how many people came and said this is so much more than the gym for us? It's it's a it's a big deal, and it's um so to that end. Although it hurt the business, I can see why. Especially if you if you followed the rules as we did, we put all the all of our obligations in place, and we went over and above. You know, we opened doors, um, we deep cleaned on a daily basis. We we had you know hand sanitizer all over the place. We had sprays everywhere. So we we, we did what we could. Um, but you know, you just have to you have to hope and trust that the people in charge do the best job they can and whether or not they have done is uh is up for debate but i'm not qualified to, to comment on that yeah well look at it i think it's obviously admirable the way you guys managed it because you know i, I think we were all in a tricky spot there were lots of businesses impacted and you had to kind of we had to try and club together and i, th- I think in those circumstances kind of try and trust that, that the people in charge are setting us off in the right direction i guess I guess out of that, there is that positivity that it definitely raised the awareness of um, just how important physical fitness and access to gyms is to people in their kind of everyday life. So, you know, I, I talked to um, through the series of this, this podcast as well, people that kind of make running equipment and they saw a huge uptake from people last year and people picking up running as an outlet for the first time in a while. So I guess, I guess through all that negativity, all we can hope is that people come out of it with more positive habits around their health and exercise i guess going forward yeah i think it's shifted responsibility back onto the individual i think there's a lot of us who are probably perhaps a bit guilty of um outsourcing our health you know i think what i'd say the positive from my side is, is it looks like you guys are fully kitted out at my gym now or if not kind of putting final touches to to the equipment available to people in the setup is that fair to say yeah we're fully kitted out it's um you know, every business has got has got their stories of when things could have gone a bit wrong. And we placed our kit order in May. We knew we were going to open back end of August. So that was plenty of time. And we were told middle of June, it'll be here. No problem at all. That's fine. And then we come to the middle of June. It's not there. It's going to be early July. And again, still fine. We've got two months before we open end of July. It's going to be here early August. 
Long story short, we needed, we'd ordered about two and a half thousand kilos of bumper plates. So if you're not familiar with bumper plates, so these the rubber plates you see in weightlifting where you can drop them on the floor. It's a very specific kind of plate and it's, it was it was imperative we got these. We couldn't have any other plates um, because of the kind of gym we are. And um, the day before, so we had we had an open event on the Friday night booked and this was booked for weeks beforehand. People were coming out and the local press coming, etc. And on the thursday we still didn't have any plates there's not a single place in the building somehow through pulling all kinds of strings and speaking to every contact we could between david and i we managed to locate 750 kilos of plates in birmingham and we were so panicked we said look we will we'll hire a van and come down and hand load them ourselves we we desperately needed these plates so the, the literal day before we opened we didn't have a single weight plate in the building um we've got all that now so we you know 5,000 kilos of plates you've got you know 20 barbells 12 squat racks we've got everything we needed if anything we're just adding bits and pieces to it now um but yeah we we um although we're well kitted up now there was a really close shave where we almost didn't have a single plate and plates to a gym are as important as plates to a restaurant you know it's they're, they're vital it's it's like everything we need um so people would have been working out with, with empty barbells if it wasn't for that stroke of luck where we managed to get 750 kilos of plates. You guys pull it out of the bag. There's no, yeah. I don't think there's a business that launches where it doesn't come down to some sort of last-minute scramble or panic. Every, every story seems to be consistent, so I'm glad you guys went through the, uh, the, uh, the mill along with the rest of us. <laughs> we opened a gym in a pandemic. Um, we had no equipment the day before we opened. We had our Wi-Fi delayed by two weeks so we've had more than our fair share of kickings i think i think we're due some good luck now yeah fantastic well look um i guess that kind of leads on to the next question which is what what's next with my gym particularly when you kind of talk about the community approach to the way that you guys run thing is it is it, is it continuing to grow within the space you're in do you think that that's something that you you're keen to kind of replicate either elsewhere in greater manchester or beyond kind of how do you how are you and david looking at business because i it certainly seems to be working. That the space seems to be brilliant, and kind of the the model and the approach definitely seems to be resonating with people in the local area. Yeah, we um we set out to fit uh, basically plug a gap we spotted in the market, which was commercially accessible strength and conditioning facilities. So typically, I mean, these facilities exist, strength and conditioning facilities, but they're typically behind a bit of a, a larger paywall. So you can go to say a CrossFit gym where you'll pay three, four, five times our monthly subscription, or you can have personal training in a, in a, in a specialist setup where, where, again, you'll pay a much higher fee. So what we wanted to do was offer strength conditioning facilities at a commercial price point, and, and it's worked for us. We've still got plenty of room to go into the space. We're, we're over 400 members now. We're in the low 420s at the time of recording. So things have been going very well. And if we, if we hadn't had two lockdowns to contend with, we'd be you know looking at... I think gym number two. Um, it very much is part of the plan to to expand. We want to have multiple locations, but we're also realistic enough to know that these things take time. And and what I'd be really loath to do is run before we can walk. We've we've started something great, and it's become a bit of a community, a bit of a hub. And I don't want to lose focus and lose sight of that. It's it's still very much a baby. You know, we, we celebrated our first birthday. We haven't thanks to lockdowns we haven't had 12 months of full chain under our belt yet so there's a long time to go and um the the overall plan is certainly to to have more and i would like to keep it to northwest i think 
if you can spread out too far, you can become really dilute. And I think what makes a gym like ours so unique is is the fact that we can oversee and look after it and we can make sure our standards are high. Um, we we have a, a real brand identity and I think we would lose that if we spread out too far. So they will be, you know, within within a, a relatively short distance of where we are in Stockport at the moment. Um, long, long term, I mean, I'd like to, we, we, we joke about it. I don't know how serious we are, but one day maybe with, five, 10, 15 gyms under our belt. Maybe we could make a, a multi-million pound exit and ride off into the sunset. I, I don't know. Um, I think you can you can get lost in the weeds, can't you? I think if, if you focus too much on the future, you, you get lost in where you are. And I think the important thing for us now is to really focus on building the best gym we can. Um, keep doing what we're doing. I feel like we're doing, we're doing things well. Members are responding to it. People seem to like us. Um, so I think for now, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think, you know, you you speak with lots of people in different businesses and what seems to be consistent across all of them is is, as long as you're doing a great job at what you're doing today and you're keeping an eye on where you're steering it in the future, the future kind of will take care of itself, won't it? So um, I I have no doubt that there'll be my gyms popping up all over the place, certainly in Greater Manchester. I'm kind of excited to see, excited to see Gym 2 and what you guys do with the next space and and the next one beyond that. So yeah. yeah absolutely keep it going cool well look um thanks for thanks for just sharing that story with us steve and certainly um being in the sector you're in through the unusual circumstances of the last year and year and a half i think there'll be lots of people listening in and kind of think opening a gym in the middle of the pandemic is just absolute craziness but i think you guys have, have, have obviously demonstrated that <laughs> yeah. through a lot of hard work and experience and, and focus you've dave you and david have been able to make it work so that's that's been a brilliant story to share um we like to finish off just by talking about people's connections to greater manchester in a bit more detail so on that topic and you've talked about it a few times kind of what does it mean to you to, to be running the gym today in Hazel Grove, kind of near near where you live. And I guess when you look at expanding and moving to different sites, how do you see Greater Manchester playing a role in in the future of of my gym? Yeah, it's a it's quite a unique geography, isn't it, Greater Manchester? Because there's a lot of people within the conurbation and and I think with that there's lots of opportunities for any business, uh, not just not just in our sector, but um what it means to us i feel like it's a we've come in the right place at the right time it, it's a really vibrant area and i agree with your sentiment of it's it's one of the best places in the country if not the world to start a business because you know we're relatively well connected we've got plenty of people um the the local economy is a pretty strong one and you don't have many of the setup costs that you do for example in somewhere like london you know, we can do things cheaper here um and it just makes a lot more sense in terms of what it means uh, for the future we could we're in stockport now but you know manchester's nine miles up the road in one direction you've got you know other towns altrincham you know bury rochdale oldham Salford. there's plenty of places around so i think if you are in any business to be honest this is one of the best places in the country you could be you've got that nice mixture of of, it also feels like quite a young population and, and, and a business like ours that tends to be our target market so I think it's a it's, it's the right place at the right time and then other businesses that, that that you kind of follow in the area have you got a top top kind of three local businesses that you'd like to give a shout out to on the podcast yeah I I love um the Savoy Cinema in is it in Heaton Moor 
I yeah. really like what they've done because the cinema is one of those things for me. It doesn't matter how many times it's a bit like flying. It doesn't matter how many times you do it. The novelty's never lost. I love the cinema, and although I don't go as much as I'd like to, it's never lost on me. You know how cool an experience it is, and I really like what they've done. They've made it a smaller, kind of more intimate thing, and they've they've upped the service. And I, I love it. I think they've done a really good job. Um, another business I really like is uh, Littlewoods Butchers in Heaton Chapel. They're, it's quite a quirky shop. It's, a, it's a, how I imagine my nan would have shopped. You know, it was this, oh, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Like, nobody calls you sir in a shop anymore. It seems like a really small team who are passionate and, and actually care about what they do. And if you don't follow their instagram they're brilliant it's almost like it's this really hooger instagram account where they they show you the process they go through and how everything's you know that they like talk about whole animal butchery and it's just, it's a really nice instagram account and their products are great and yeah. another one i really like the bun and bones club in hazel grove uh, i know that that seems like quite a contradiction being a gym owner and like in a fast food place um but i just think they do a really good job and you know they seem to have grown a, a really solid business out of what looks like um, really like a really basic setup. They've just, I like the idea of a, a small team doing good things. So those three in particular, they're the ones that came to mind first of all. Um, there's plenty of others, but but I really like what those three do. Cool. Yeah. Super local as well. I like it. Great. And then and the final one is magically stealing something from another city in the world and bringing it to Greater Manchester. Is there anything that we're lacking? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the weather. That feels like such a cliche answer, doesn't it? But there's no there's no substitute for sunshine. I feel like in lots of ways I'm solar powered. Um, and I think if we had the sunshine, that would be a huge... Actually, can I be greedy, Joe? Can I steal two? Because if we had... Say for, say, for example, we had the sunshine and coast. I mean, they, they kind of come as a pair, don't they, in some places like Rio sydney maybe we could have the sunshine and 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 the seaside um that'd be great after that i think yeah there's nothing else we we really need is there we've we've got everything else um we just like the weather on the beach yeah yeah i mean look greater manchester on a sunny day is a is a special place so being able to enjoy that a little bit more i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with that for a second make it happen brilliant thanks steve um thanks so much for spending some time with us today sharing your story and on that note, I think I'll let you get back to the gym. Yeah, thanks very much. I was uh, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Greater Manchester Business Stories is produced and presented by Joe Taylor of Real Handful. The special guest was Stephen Hoyles of My Gym. You can find out more about Real Handful by visiting realhandful.com and you can see more from My Gym at mygymofficial.co.uk. Audio production was by me, Andy Blackaby-Isles. Oh,